You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Strange Familiars, covering a range of topics from the paranormal, cryptids, mythology, the occult, hauntings, UFOs, weird history, and folklore. Wherever you are listening to Strange Familiars, iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, or any other service, please subscribe and click the like button, and share the Strange Familiars pages and stories on Facebook and other social media. If you have experienced something strange, or if you know a story you would like us to cover, email strangefamiliarspodcast at gmail.com or find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash strangefamiliars. And of course you can always find us at strangefamiliars.com. Hello everybody, welcome to Strange Familiars. We've got a long episode tonight, so I want to jump right into it. But just a little bit of business to take care of first. Strange Familiars is moving to Podbean. That's going to be our new host for the podcast. So the feed is changing. If you've subscribed somewhere, if you subscribed at iTunes, or Stitcher, or Google Play, wherever you subscribe... The feed might be changing. Now, I have a redirect set for iTunes, so hopefully you'll get the new feed with that, but in talking with other podcasts that have 
move their feed before. They've said that sometimes it doesn't follow. I just want everybody to be aware. We have a new feed, new home for Strange Familiars on Podbean. You might have to resubscribe. We're still planning on releasing new episodes every other week for everybody. So if you don't see them come up in your feed, please make sure to resubscribe. Go to the new feed. And you can find that right now at strangefamiliars.podbean.com. Strangefamiliars.com will point to the Podbean site soon, but it's going to take a little while for that to happen. So right now, if you want to resubscribe, you want to find that feed at strangefamiliars.podbean.com. Thanks for listening, everybody. And hopefully you'll stick with us through the move. Ultimately, I think it's going to be a much better home for us. There were some problems on our old website running out of bandwidth and so forth, which is it's kind of a good problem to have because it means a lot of people are listening, so that's good. But we should not have that problem with Podbean. Tonight, we're talking with Clint from OK Talk. If you're not familiar with OK Talk, check it out. It's a great podcast. It's one of my favorites. And we're talking about the Devil's Creek property, which is a really interesting place. You'll hear all about it. They're trying to get together funds for a documentary on Devil's Creek. And they have a GoFundMe for that. The address is gofundme.com slash Devil's Creek Film. We'll put the links in the show notes for that. If you haven't heard any of the Devil's Creek episodes of OK Talk, they're fantastic. We were lucky enough to have Clint bring a lot of the audio they recorded with them. He originally shared like six clips with me or something like that, but in the course of our talking, he he ended up emailing me several more. So there's a lot of audio clips that we go through from the property. And you'll hear me play some audio from Site7 for Clint as well. And there's some similarities there, which we were both pretty blown away by. Once you have somebody scream at you or have something scream at you, it's um, it's a bit of a game changer, right? That's a great place to start. Well, let's go ahead and get into what happened in Falk. Well, so I had narrated uh, the Beast of Whitehall movie for Seth Breedlove of Small Town Monster fame, and they were in Falk shooting the beast or the boggy creek monster and i'm close to i was close to there and i was just thinking you know i'd been working with this guy but never met him and obviously had him on the podcast and we drove out there i say we drove out there they had already shown up i'd worked all night on a saturday night and left when i got off the air drove over to texarkana um met up with them that evening after they had been shooting all day and then the next day went out with the crew and Lyle and Lyle Blackburn and they were doing some witness interviews and we ended up uh, they needed to interview a lady who is in the movie because they had interviewed her earlier and there was a gun range in the background and so there was a lot of background noise and Lyle told them that he had this, he knew this guy who technically lives in Doddridge, which is South of Falk, but that he has a lot of land and it'll be quiet out there. We can go out there. And then plus that gives me a chance to 
see Clint, and this guy's name is Clint as well. He works for the Department of Fish and Game for the Forestry Department. And he also owns Boggy Creek Beehive, where they make beard balm and candles and lip gloss. And uh, it's he and his wife they have a young, young daughter, and they're just great people. And Seth and all those guys have been busting their tail in Arkansas, and they're from Ohio, so they were not prepared for what Arkansas in May was going to be like. <laughs> So those guys, by the time they got done shooting, they were going to do one thing, and that was shower and go to bed. And I hit it off with Clint Harris and asked him if I could hang out with him at this. He has this great, great home. I would say it's like it's a cabin, but I mean it's a house. It just looks like this really awesome cabin in the middle of nowhere, and Doddridge. And a lot of that area backs up to the swamp and then that nature preserve in Arkansas. And we were hanging out and it was late and we're having a good time getting to know each other. We're talking about music. We're talking about kind of anything but monsters, but I'm recording the whole time. The stars were amazing. You know, there was not a lot of, there's obviously not a lot of light pollution, but there was not really much of a moon and so you could see the freaking milky way and if you listen to that episode and and i've played that clip in fact it's at the beginning of the main devil's creek episode the american horror story episode i i'm laughing to him when i say hey let me give a bigfoot howl and let's see if we get a response and i i'm laughing we're we're almost joking around and i Give this howl just, that's honestly the first time I've ever done anything like that in the woods. I'm like, you know, and there's a cow in a pasture close to us. And Clint looks at me, he's like, well, that was a cow, you know. It kind of gave a like, response. And then I don't think we heard the, what now is referred to as a horn vocal, but there was this scream and it was loud and it was so long and my response to him was that i just can't believe that effing happened or did that really just effing happen um it was a total shock it was really close i was using my iphone to record the thing and what it ended up being was what people uh especially david ellis they use this term, the horn vocal, which happens a lot of times before big vocalizations. It's almost like it's a, I don't know if it would be, if you're considering these to be creatures, like living flesh and blood creatures, it's like a ah, sound. And then after that, there's a huge vocalization. This actually happened to be two that I thought was just one long one because as it's happening, I kind of turned with my, yeah, just, I'm blown away. Right. I'm it's the last thing you're expecting, or I was expecting at least to be in a place where something would yell at you or scream, but it actually ended up being two screams, a, a long one and then a response. And um, I set my, world on its ear because I 
I'm not saying that I didn't believe that there was something. I, it was just one of those things that maybe I took with more. I, I thought a lot of the a lot of the stuff was kind of silly because let's face it, a lot of the stuff in the Bigfoot world is silly. Oh yeah. And I thought I thought that maybe not that I thought that the entire subject was silly, but I was intrigued with the idea of there being a North American ape, but it was not something that I was expecting. I'll just say that. And that set me on a course. That's actually how I ended up meeting the people involved with the Devil's Creek saga is because I was sitting at the bar in the hotel and the only person that I knew that was into Bigfoot was Cliff Berrickman because we had had him on the podcast and he and I hit it off to the point where we had swapped cell phone numbers and we're staying in touch. And most of that was our back and forth was always about music. It was not really about Bigfoot at all. And I texted him and sent him the audio clip, which was really faint on the iPhone as that kind of stuff tends to be. And he told me, you should send it to this guy, David Ellis. I sent it up there. He responded gave me the whole big write-up. We talked on the phone. We hit it off immediately. It's weird. He and I have this, it's as if we've known each other for a long time. He's one of my best friends, and we have this weird kinship with each other. We, From books that we've read and philosophies that we take on life and basketball and all kinds of nutty stuff. And... It was through knowing David, and he mentioned in the first email that he sent me about that recording that there was a woman that he was working with on a regular basis who had experienced that short burst before vocalizations that he was referring to as a horn vocal. And I'm not saying that he invented that term. I don't necessarily think that he did, but... And that person ended up being Donna, who um, is one of the people who owns Devil's Creek. And that would be how this entire saga began. So let me pause here and say the Devil's Creek, I think it was, I don't know if it was your first Devil's Creek episode you did on OK Talk, but it's the one where, where Donna was on, I believe, and you were playing audio. Was that the first one? Yeah, so we had had David on a couple of weeks before, and David had given me some of the audio, and Donna and Greg, neither one of them had ever talked to anyone, or they weren't about telling their story really at all, and David had just shared some of the audio from them. So we have an, we have an episode called The Ventriloquist of Devil's Creek, okay. which is where we basically theorize about the whole idea of the Native American legend and one of the words for Sasquatch meaning ventriloquist because we were having a conversation about something in the woods that would call animals. But no, the I consider our most fascinating thing that we've ever done is the Devil's Creek and American Horror Story episode where it's the first time that Donna and Greg had told their story and we played the audio of which you speak. Everything from the howls and the growls to the 
the mention of the dog's names to the baby doll being played in the middle of the night. Yeah, and and we'll talk about that in a, <laughs> a second. There's so much to get into there. I just want to tell my listeners that that episode of OK Talk was pretty much, I mean, I've been kind of kicking around the idea of thinking about starting a podcast, but that was the episode that made me really want to want to do this. Part of the big inspiration for, for what we do a lot of times is, you know, go on site and get audio while we're out there. That was uh, the power of that episode, really, of just being transported to that place through audio. So, uh, Strange Familiars, you know, OK Talk, that episode in particular had a, had a big, big hand in uh, me starting Strange Familiars. So, uh, everybody, should, everybody should check it out. Amazing. That's It's really, that's incredible. And I I have noticed that you approach the way that you do things in a similar manner. And I think that that's amazing. And I, I, I really enjoy the show. I was just speaking with Matt earlier about 30 minutes ago. And, uh, I told him that the first thing that I was going to tell you though, was that I love your show, but you've got to tone down the spooky music. And that was just me making a reference to Reddit because you know, um, I have a I have a really really awesome relationship with the Reddit subreddit thread on Bigfoot board, and <laughs> right after I posted the link and was like, "Hey, we're making a movie about Devil's Creek," one guy was like, "I'm super intrigued, but you got to tone down the spooky music." <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, we'll get right on that. <laughs> I actually, I'm such a jerk that I responded like, "Right." Right, more spooky music. I got it. I mean, I thought that we were making ear candy, but I'll m- add more sugar. <laughs> of course, some people don't take the humor that well. Uh, it's just, uh, I, I really, I, I actually, know, I didn't know that you had just started after that. Like I, like we were discussing before you started recording, I thought that you had been involved in the podcast game for a while. So that is a really good compliment that i could give you that it doesn't seem that you're a novice to what you do so cheers oh thanks man well i was i've been involved in music audio for for a while so uh it was a it was a sidestep more than a you know starting from scratch right well there you go too much spooky music you know i told matt earlier that Every episode from now on, we're just playing the benny hill theme (laughs) the entire time no matter what no matter what so, I'm in a haunted house in New Orleans. That's what I'm playing underneath it. To introduce it with the Benny Hill music. Devil's Creek, you're making a film. We're going to get back to the audio, but I just want to let everybody know where well, you're trying to make a film. You're trying to raise money to make a film. You have a uh, GoFundMe started for that, right? Right. So here's kind of the, here's my pitch to people. We're in a weird position where I didn't know that this opportunity would ever happen though I've known these people now and been up there and this is something that I wanted to do forever, but I didn't think that we would have the opportunity because one, I didn't think that the people associated with the place would be comfortable enough getting on camera and talking about it. And then number two, I was convinced because of how amazing of a piece of property it is and its location that it would be sold immediately and we went back and forth on different ways to handle 
trying to get them not to sell it and do something else with it. And something actually occurred that made Donna, Donna's the lead dog in that. I mean, just like with everybody else who's married, they know. If your wife says, we're doing this, what are you going to do? Say no. <laughs> so um, when she was ready to tell the story and not be afraid to be on camera, I kind of assembled the team. I'm, I'm very lucky in that I've worked in media for a long time, and I know people in both television, film, and radio. I knew uh, uh, a guy who was kind of into weird stuff that is world famous for his work. And I pitched this to him. He put me in contact with an Emmy award-winning producer who has a team that is top of the line stuff. And the thing that I wanted to do and want to do and plan to do, I'll just say that, is it's going to happen is make it something different than anything else that's out there and use people in the making of it that are not, that are really unfamiliar with the subject. And the subject to me, the story is an amazing house in Washington state that's on quite a bit of land that just so happens to be really active in terms of creature sightings. It really happens to be active in terms of audio. It's one of these weird cases where there are two plus years worth of audio. And it's not like every time she would put a recorder out and she put a recorder out every night. It's not that every time there would be things on there, but a lot of activity in and around the area and a lot of activity that frankly can't be debunked in terms of known animal sounds or crazy neighbors or people screwing around. Once she agreed that she was for being on camera and telling her story, we hastily gathered this group and rather than do the thing that a lot of people do in terms of Kickstarter and have merch and gear ready to intrigue people into donating, we're in a situation where we're trying to raise the initial cost of getting up there. And I'm very lucky that I have people that have swooped in to help and we have some amazing artwork the the poster that Dan Tolhurst put together on the fly, who is the guy that did the logo for OK Talk, all of them, which we have a few different ones, and it's an amazing poster. And everyone that's already donated is going to get stuff. <laughs> I guess I'll go ahead and say that. But I just didn't have the time. I didn't have the putting together packages, I guess, for where you give and what you can give was not an option. Right. Um, this this is on so, a, it's on a short timeline. And uh, I mean, I want to see this funded because I want to see this documented. I'm hoping people can donate. What's the GoFundMe address? I'll, I'll put it in the show notes as well. But It's Devil's Creek Film. Okay. I apologize. We actually put the V in front of it for the film name, but the GoFundMe is Devil's Creek Film. Okay. And everything in terms of social media is Devil's Creek film, like the Facebook, the Twitter. Instagram has been a little bit more difficult because I 
screwed up the first time I did it. And every time I try to go fix it, I'm not near an internet connection because I'm strange like that. I'm strangely familiar <laughs> to messing things up. The cool thing about GoFundMe is it's not on a deadline in terms of you have 14 days to make your goal. And if you don't make it, you don't get anything that right. people donated. GoFundMe is famous for being an ongoing campaign. And that was the point of putting the number up that we put and going forward with it quickly rather than seeming like we had our ducks in a row. And the only reason that we really didn't is it honestly came to fruition within a few days and it was a now or never situation. Right. We have the end of September booked. These people that I'm taking up there are top of the line in terms of a cinematographer and an extra cameraman and a production director and the producer. These are all people that have won multiple awards for their work and have the gear to get it done. I guess maybe the best promotion for Devil's Creek is that I pitched to a person who is not really into any of this stuff, this story. And she was immediately drawn in. And then every one of her team members were down immediately. They were all fascinated. And her downtime is spent discussing this project. It's kind of jumped to the front of everybody's list. So we have this crew reserved. We're talking about what we are attempting to do right now, like right this second with the funding, is pay for the hard cost to get the crew up there to get that settled so that we have flights. And <laughs> the funny thing is, there's hotels in that budget, right? And of course, Devil's Creek is a five bedroom house or whatever that's a great place to stay. <laughs> and these people are like, we can go up there, but Carrie, my producer, she's like, there's no effing way I'm staying there. Then <laughs> <laughs> that comes in the middle of a Sunday afternoon when she's taking a jog around a lake in Dallas, and I get a text message that she's like, Look, I just listened through the American Horror Story episode for the second time. No, I'm not staying there. And I don't begrudge her of that. So that is, yeah, that's what we're trying to do. And I'm, I'm in a position right now where whether it's $5 or $500, uh, it will be used. And the only thing that we obviously have a killer poster and we can obviously do T-shirts and once we make a movie and giving, I, I, I mean, if anybody gave money to the idea, I'm going to give them the movie. That's like a given. You know, you could give me a dollar now, and I'd tell you I'd give you the digital download. I guess what we're hoping for is that the people will understand once they delve into this. It's it's an ongoing developing. It's one of the most fascinating stories I've ever heard, I've ever been around. It's definitely the strangest place that I've ever been associated with. And 
I'm in New Orleans right now. Two weeks ago, I was in the site of one of the most horrific, horrific murder-suicides that the city had ever seen involving people that you would never think would be involved in it. And that's a fascinating story. And I've been in haunted houses and scary places and woods and all this. There's nothing like this place. And I'm not sure what is going on. All that we know for a fact is that there's a woman who was a former photographer for Nat Geo. She's one of the first people that filmed horses in the wild. She spent time in the Amazon jungle filming anacondas, which the only way that you do that is you go at night because they're easier to find. She's been all over the world by herself. She's one of the most badass, kick-ass, sweetest, God-fearing women I've ever met. And this house and that property turned her into someone who was terrified to go downstairs after it was dark, let alone outside. I mean, she put the recorder out on the porch before the sun went down. She wouldn't go down the steps until it came back up. She saw what people commonly refer to as a Sasquatch twice. The rest of everything that happened there is some of the most bizarre events that I've, like I said, that I've heard of or that I know of. Her first sighting was how long after they moved to the property? They moved in September of 2013. She saw what she saw December the 5th. Okay. So pretty, I mean, real quick. Yeah. Thereafter. And, and she had a, a full body sighting of a creature, right? Right. From a few feet away from the passenger seat of their SUV going up to the house after church on a Sunday night. It was December, that area. And I mean, it's coastal rainforest up there in the Seattle Canadian area. And, you know, it's like Juneau is in Alaska, but it doesn't get like the rest of Alaska, right? Because it's on the water. Right. The coastal rainforest, you'll get the snow, but it'll blow out. And what you are more likely to get in a place where the air is wet all the time is that if it freezes, the precipitation and the moisture in the air freezes. So that means that the ground can get icy and slick. And this property happens to be a mile or so up from a road. So it is switchbacks up around these crazy ravines and he's being very careful driving. And she's looking out the passenger window because honestly they were fighting. And so she's not looking at him and she's looking out the window and where the Creek runs from what I'm, we pretty much all think is internal water source and a lake at some point higher up, but there's natural springs in that hill and there's a creek that runs underneath this portion of this road, the switchback, and there next to this, I'm telling you, the tree looks like it's something out of the set of Jurassic Park, right? When they're at Isla Nublar and there's a T-Rex there and the way that the forest just looks enchanted 
because of course a enchanted island would have dinosaurs that's the way that this forest is there the trees it's just different i'm from east texas i'm from the piney woods and oak trees and this is just a whole different ball game this gigantic tree there's a creature standing there next to it she sees it from top to bottom and as greg is very slowly driving because he's trying to make sure they don't slide off the road she was close enough to it not literally to touch but probably within 10 feet and what greg will say that he knew that something really did happen is that donna dropped the f word and she doesn't cuss and she exclaims my god they're effing real mm -hmm. <laughs> that was her, that was her her initial statement and they had had strange things happen around the house but one of those things that they would just always say oh it must have been this or oh, it must have been that or oh, it was the wind or what have you it just so happens that that night when she saw that thing she was so distressed they get to the house that they did the one thing that anybody that's ever casually come across a bigfoot show on television would do and that smack a stick against a tree and they immediately got responses Ooh. a lot of things that had been happening to them started to make sense to them in terms of some of the strange activity around their house they contacted the olympic project those guys are amazing and all business right they know exactly what they're doing and they came out that initial investigation they found footprints there was audio collected that day or vocalizations i guess you would say from the woods and this story starts there and continues with the fact that this woman who's both of them are the exact opposite of some crazy people that say that they would have seen a creature in the woods or that they would have these things happen. They're both professionals and so disinterested in being recognized for what they were experiencing that it took them two years before they spoke about it. And that was with us. And it's fascinating. I, we've, we've talked about the audio and, and you, Tim and I, when we were discussing doing this, you had mentioned that, you know, we've done shows with audio before and we did the show with Shannon on into the fray. And, and you had mentioned not necessarily wanting to do the same show. And I totally, I, I you know, I totally understand that. And I was like, yeah, I've got plenty of audio. <laughs> it's not what we've played anywhere else that kind of covers the gamut. And I actually sent you some of the stuff that disturbs me the most. What ended up happening after we had them on the show was that I went to Devil's Creek. They had already moved. I mean, they bailed on this place. She basically told her husband that she was done living there. She had another sighting from the upstairs window of their bedroom down to the fence line where they had had multiple occasions where 
they felt that something was there or they heard something there. And in fact, there's the crazy thing about this house is it's so gorgeous and the views are so gorgeous that there's a lot of windows, right? There's bay windows everywhere. So that at night, when there's not a lot of light out there. And if you have a light on in that house, anything and everything can see you. And it has become apparent to us that that is one of the intriguing things about this place is it's almost as if it's a display case for the humans that are living inside of it. So along this fence line, Greg would be sitting in his easy chair reading and something would run along the fence as if they had a stick in their hand and was running the thing down the fence. Like, and there's a particular area over there where a particular fence post would be not a post, but a board would be pushed in as if so that something could look into the house directly. They would repair it. It'd be pushed back out. They'd repair it. It'd be pushed back out. And after she saw the one, the second time, which happened during the day, that was kind of the end for her being there. And it's serious enough that these are people, they're not rich by any means. They've been carrying two mortgages. They put the house up for sale for a little while. They ended up renting it to a couple and they're in the process of selling the house now. But that goes to show you that's not easy. I mean, I don't know of a whole lot of people that could carry two mortgages and they fled their dream home basically because it was too much. Mm. Were they getting like house slaps and, and stuff like that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you already said that, you know, once, once it's night, she was upstairs. She didn't even want to be downstairs in the house. Right. Greg was gone quite a bit. His job requires him to be such. And so there's this weird dynamic where this was something that they had planned on that they're comfortable with, right? They both knew that he traveled. She's an independent woman. There's no, oh, you're gone all the time. I need you here kind of thing. That's not the case at all. In fact, it's the exact opposite of that. What is interesting is you have a husband who's on the road and is hearing these, things from his wife in terms of some of the strange things that are occurring when he's gone, but they occur when he's there as well. But everything really shifted when they started recording every night because they got into a position where the things that they would hear randomly, if it would be a vocalization from the woods or whatever was starting to be captured and the breadth of evidence that they have collected for seasons, right? There's a time in the year when it's the most active and it sort of starts right about now in terms of late August, September is kind of when it starts to pick up and it rolls through the winter. And they would have activity that would happen and then the following year, the same stuff would happen. And when I say the same stuff, I'm talking about the voices would be the same. And I'm saying the voices 
because I don't know how else to say it. There's attempts at vocalization and attempts at speaking that almost sound like uh, a deaf person in the woods, but you can tell it's the same voice. They have, for lack of a better word, and like an accent, I guess you would say. And that is a big player in them. And Greg understanding once she saw it the second time that, yeah, okay, this isn't, we're not comfortable with this anymore. And a big, a big portion of that is him hearing the audio of them calling the dogs. Yeah. And they had two dogs, Layla and Bridget. And once he heard that, because essentially their routine was that Donna would pull the recorder, she would plug it in, upload it, and David would take a look at it. And again, uh, when you record 365 for 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 hours a day, that's a lot of audio, right? Oh, that's yeah. a ton. <laughs> you know, somebody who works in music and audio and all that, that's a lot to deal with. Again, there would be long periods of time where nothing would happen. But when activity would pick up, it would pick up swiftly, and it would be intense, and it would be consistent. And every opportunity to say something wasn't what it sounded like was taken because these were not people who wanted to think that the audio that they were capturing was anything other than a fox, a wolf, or a neighbor, right? They would rather it have been that because that leaves them in their dream home on the side of the hill, not leaving it and buying another place and then carrying two mortgages. So they didn't want this stuff to happen. That's, that's the wildest thing. There's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of emails back and forth where they are trying to take every sound and be as critical as they can of them, try to figure out how that could be something else. And at some point, the evidence just becomes overwhelming. And I experienced that firsthand there. How many times did you go up? I was there for five days in October of 2016. And then I went up last year and we didn't go to the property because they had rented it out. Oh, okay. And we, we had a conversation about whether or not it was a good idea to go out there. They certainly weren't trying to intimidate this young couple that was living there with that crazy stuff is happening. So we decided against it. It was probably the right decision. I ended up getting to spend the weekend with the Olympic project and up on the Olympic Peninsula. But no, so I've been to the house technically whether it was three or four nights and five days, I don't know. It was one of the most surreal weeks of my life. I know that. You um, heard some stuff while you were there, right? Yeah. Immediately. Immediately. We, um, they were, of course, already gone. David picked me up at the airport. There was still electricity at the property. Cause at the time, it was still being listed for sale. 
there were a few things there in terms of there was an office chair and there's a day bed up, uh, and I say upstairs, upstairs is driveway level because the house is on an incline. So when I say, when I refer to the house, something that's being upstairs, it's really on the level. There's a day bed that's right there in what you would consider a courtyard that um, there's a driveway in and a, a, a nice courtyard. This day bed had a big bay window and that, like, that's where I slept. David slept in one of the bedrooms on a cot like he would sleep on in a tent. But immediately when we got there, I, I actually got out of the car. We, we had the recorder on before we went up because one thing that David had noticed was when people would be coming in or coming out, there was, seemed to be a higher likelihood that there would be some sort of um, announcement of people either coming or going. And that would usually be in terms of a knock, some sort of bang in the woods that would be answered as if there was someone who was watching and saw people leaving or people coming and going. So we had recorders on immediately and we took the long drive up there, slowly up the hill into the driveway and uh, it was raining. I got out of the car, excited to be at this place right? It's dark outside already. And I whistled down the property because it's a slope from the house down to the wood line. There's two barns down there. And I mean, it's majestic, but I whistled and immediately went like grabbed some of myself. We both walked inside, kind of looked around. We went out, stood on the patio and David said one of the things that they had told him immediately was to check the barn because when they would have to come over to the house, Greg was doing all of this. Donna wasn't coming back to the property very much. But Greg would say that one of the barn doors that he had latched would be open. And he was like, so just check and see what the situation is at the barn. So I told David that I was going to walk down to the barn he walked back over to the car, was kind of bringing stuff in and setting stuff up. He was going to set up a little table with a computer and whatever. I had a few chairs that we had brought, camping chairs. And I went down to the barn and I, I actually made a few vocalizations and was recording. And I heard, so I'm probably 7,500 yards downhill from the house and I'm looking back up at it and I hear what sounds like it's just right there. There's this huge ravine that runs along the property that ends up, I think it's 14, 15 feet deep when you get in it right there. It's right by the entrance to the property, but it's obscured by this, again, a rainforest and the wood line there is serious. It's, ferns and huge trees and you can't see into it at all. And I heard something and the best way that I could describe this is it sounded like something was standing over there and it jumped over the fence. Like a person would climb over a fence. If you've ever been athletic enough to do so, where you grab a hold of the top of the fence and you kind of swing your body up and maybe 
put a foot on the fence and then use your other one to swing yourself over it because we're talking about a eight foot tall wooden fence, right? Maybe six and a half, seven foot tall. It sounded like something jumped over the fence and then it's, it sounded as if I heard something run from, and again, I'm looking at the house from below a hill. I heard something run from my left all the way to my right. And this was shocking to me because to me, I'd never heard something run that made noise like that. You hear, you know, you can run on concrete and hear someone running. When you hear someone talk about how, oh, this thing moved and the ground rattled or you could feel it move, that almost sounds like a, like a, like a magic power or something. It's hard to even fathom what that means. Because there aren't situations where gigantic things take off running unless, you know, you're in the middle of an elephant stampede or something. And it took me a while to get to a point where I understood that, that when I just say I heard something run from there to there, even though it didn't make any sense, because if I was up there and I'm 6'5 and 270, if I was up there running around, you wouldn't hear me. But I heard something run. I heard boom, 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 boom. That, I mean, that's just what happened. I hear David comes out on the porch and he says, hey, Clint, I'm about to do something or whatever. So I immediately start walking up the hill and I'm like, did you, did you hear that? Did you, did you hear that? And he's looking at me and he's like, no, but I will tell you what I did hear. So in between him being at the car and me grabbing some of my stuff and walking into the house, David was leaning in the back of his outback. And remember I said that the first thing that I did when I got there was whistle. David got the most crystal clear whistle from the wood line, which is exactly where I said that I heard something sound like it jumped over the fence and ran. And David actually popped his head up and whistled back. What's interesting is the next day we would be over in that area and this is one of the creepiest things about this place is that that you would have thought that this was some sort of sniper's nest inside the wood line. But it, there was a, a circle, probably about six by eight feet. All of the vegetation was matted down. And this was totally an observatory. You could stand right there within a hundred yards of the house and look directly into this place, see into the living room, see upstairs into one edge of the bedroom and then around to the other. And nobody would ever know you were there. It's one of those moments where just it's hard to come up with the realization that the things that you've heard about a place are real and they happen to you immediately. And yeah, that, that happened immediately. And that evening, the first night that we were there, and we sat outside on the porch for a long time, but I'd obviously flown up from Texas. And when we did decide to finally call it a night, I was creeped out to the point where I turned a fantasy football podcast on as loud as it would go, put my headphones in and put my head underneath the covers <laughs> because I felt so uncomfortable being there. Mm. And that was the first night. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was our that was our first night there. Wow. We, we had um, the the wildest thing is that first night it it had rained and maybe the next day it was overcast, but by the end of the week it was gorgeous. The sun was out, and it was everything that anyone who's ever lived in Washington State loves about the fall because this was October. You get those kind of days in the fall, you're winning. And by the time that our last day was there, I told David that I didn't feel comfortable bringing people up to that house Mm. because it was so bizarre. And again, I would like to stress that I am the person that walks towards the red eyes. I'm the one that's constantly... Let's go to the haunted place. Let's go to the spooky thing. Right. Let's go do that. And I was blown away by just our, our entire event there. It was strange. And I, I didn't see anything. I definitely didn't see a form or a creature. I had a couple of moments where I felt like there was something watching us. I had one moment where I felt like I saw blackness move it was darker than the blackness in a wood line that caught my eye, but I didn't have any sightings or anything like that. I immediately became sympathetic to the idea of being there all the time and 80% of the time being by yourself. Yeah. I totally understood why they would want to be, why they would want to leave. Sure. Donna kept a recorder going almost all the time. There's a ton of audio. You sent me, let's see, one, two, three, four, five clips, I think. The first piece of audio, the deepness of that audio clip, it sounds huge. I mean, I don't know how else to say it. It sounds like something that has a greater lung capacity than me with a deeper, deeper voice, deeper whatever, making a... Not an extended screen. It is short, but it sounds big and it sounds powerful. And the difference between that and these other clips, I mean, I would just start with uh, one one of those screaming clips. You could pick. Okay. We'll start with short scream, and this is a loop five times, I believe. All right, that that's that's big. That's something big, right? And uh, every time I hear one of these things, I get to a point where I try to think of what else could that be? Right. There was when I was there. I actually had a parabolic satellite dish. I'm sitting on the deck, pointed down to the wood line. And I have the headphones on. And I'm hearing this crazy, crazy sounds, right? Just, it sounded nutty. That actually was a red fox, okay? I'm from the woods of East Texas. I hadn't heard a fox make those kinds of vocalizations. That's just not what I would hear usually. Now, I've heard plenty of big cats scream and cry. And I've heard deer, honestly, more than anything, big bucks, puff, puff. 
Um, and I've been in Alaska and I've seen bears and I've seen wolves, actual wolves. The weird thing is with something like that, I don't know what that would be. And I will point out, and I think that this is important to tell people that there is actually a database of sounds, vocalizations, but more importantly than the actual sounds that I believe it's the Smithsonian that's put together, it's the waveform of those sounds and where they register in terms of the Hertz level. And when you look at them, they become a digital fingerprint. After hundreds and hundreds of times of recording coyotes doing various vocalizations, they have specific things that their voice is capable of or their howl are capable of. And, and similar with people. If you were to go into the woods and howl and I was to record it, it would look like it would end up looking like an upside down you because of the way that our voice box and projection works. And the, this is one of the things with the foul howl that was recorded was that the reason that this is not similar to a coyote and not similar to a human is it has what's called an attenuated vocal in that it has a tail that doesn't drop off, it goes straight. So if you're actually looking at the waveform of the audio, it looks more like a line drive than a pitching wedge into a green where it's like goes up and comes down. It's like a straight shot and it may drop down a little bit, but it straightens out and dies off. And so when I hear these, audio clips and then look at them that's the way that i approach this i don't think that everything that i've ever heard in the woods is anomalous but i do know that if we record something and then especially if it's recorded multiple times over time and we go and look at it and then we run it against a, a sound bank of known animals in North America and none of them come close. I don't know what else to say about that. And that's just to the skeptic or to whoever. I don't want people to just think these people are recording just whatever is happening. And then, Oh, well, this is weird because yeah, it's weird, but we've also exhausted the possibilities of what it maybe could be. Right. And that clip that you played, like you said, it sounds big. It sounds strange. I don't know. It's not a giant howl, right? It's not an extended long howl. It's short and seems to be powerful. Mm -hmm. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. What do you think about that? Like, you've been in the woods and you've heard sounds. Yeah, play I mean, it again. Play it, and it, and again, it is looped five times. Play that again, and and I'd like to hear what you think of it. All right.
I want to say it's something as big as a cow. Okay, I grew up on a farm. We had cows. We had horses, et cetera, et cetera. That's not a cow. I don't think that's a cow. It doesn't have the same... Uh, cow's got a real long neck, you know, and, uh, and it has a certain tone to it when, it, when, they, uh, when they sound off like that. But it's something big. That's why I say it's something big because I went... At first, when I first heard it, I went, cow maybe, and then I went, no, I don't think that's a cow. So I don't know. Uh, you know, whatever it is, it sounds big. That's all I can say. Right. And I can at least attest to this. And I made a mistake in that recording with Shannon. They actually never brought the horses to that property. They ended up keeping them off property. Um, so though they built a horse pen, they never had horses there. They just had chickens and goats. So I can also verify that there are no cows. Right. There are no cows there. Okay. So yeah, uh, that, that, there would be no practical purpose for a cow. And again, we're talking about high-end Washington coastal rainforest, a side of a hill where six or seven people share a gigantic, enormous mountainside where you don't see neighbors, you don't really hear them. And there's not there's not a farm at the bottom of the hill, I guess is what I would say. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, I don't know, I don't know. And that's a weird one because of its the brevity of it, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's play this one's uh, three screams, and it's uh, it's looped five times as well. Let's hear that one. Okay, that that one is a little bit chilling for me. I have some audio I'll have to send you that we recorded here. Are you kidding? No, I'll have to send it to you. That that one, I'm actually getting chills up my spine for that one. Okay, well then, before you do anything else, before you say anything else, play another one. Okay. Play another one of those. All right, just any of the other screams? Is it? Yeah. All right, this one's just labeled screams. Yeah, it sounds exactly uh, exactly like the other one. I mean, not the same recording, but the same voice. Right. Now play the other one. All right. Screaming continues. Yeah. Wow. Um... Am I reading too much into that if I say it sounds like he's saying, Layla, come? It's interesting that you say that about that clip. So I'll just go ahead and say this. And I'm not trying to blow our wad here all at once, but play that Layla cut that I sent you. Okay. Just play it now. Yeah, that's that's the same voice. 
I think it's interesting that you felt like in the one before that, it sounded like you were saying Layla. Oh, yeah. Because I felt the same way when I heard it. It wasn't labeled that way. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, especially when David and I are working together, if I'm in the woods in East Texas or if I'm in a haunted hotel in Galveston or I was, like I said, I was here, I was in a haunted house in New Orleans a couple of weeks ago and I sent him an interview with um, Bloody Mary, the voodoo queen of New Orleans and uh, just to see if some of the stuff that happened while we were sitting there he could pick up on. And we don't have the conversation about what I think something was said or we, we just don't do that. Like the whole idea of hinting to someone else that you hear something. What these end up being labeled that way is so that he can kind of keep up with what he's capturing. And I did think that it was interesting that, yeah, that that time when it seems pretty clear that it's saying Layla, the, the one before that, I thought the exact same thing that you did. It almost is like it had the same cadence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, or, or, yeah, exactly. Just in case people don't remember, Layla's the name of the dog. <laughs> and they would call their dog, you know, frequently. And uh, it seems like whatever this is has learned the name of the dog, or at least is mimicking, mimicking them. Right. In fact, do you have your email open right there? Yeah. Okay, let me see here. I'll give you a, a different Layla so that you can hear it without it being in that voice. Because when I told you the other night that I wanted to send you some stuff that we haven't discussed a lot of, and, and that happens to be part of that, is that voice there, more than anything else, that's the most disturbing stuff to me because I'm not able to really understand. Do you understand what I mean when I say that it sounds like it's somebody losing their mind? Yeah. I mean, so I'm interested to know, you said that you've captured something similar to that. Yeah. I'm looking for it right now. Let me, let me, let me see if this is it. There it goes. Could you hear that? Yeah. Now, where was this? This is at that area that we call it Site 7. It's where I was telling you uh, James R. and I saw those weird lights. Okay. That, First that, of all, you're definitely you were definitely going to have to send that to me so that I can share that with David, we'll of do. all people. And we'll, we'll um, that's, that's fascinating. I left a recorder out overnight. I just left it, like zip-tied it to a, to a post and left it there. We got some interesting stuff. Well, we did that several times, but uh, that was, I guess, the the second time we left a recorder out overnight. There, we got that, and it it's it's private property. No one should be there anyway. And that was like three thirty in the morning, I think. So, best time in the world for weird stuff to happen, right? Yeah, yeah. So the witching hour, dude. That is, cre- okay. <laughs> That, that really bothers me because I don't, I have a few theories 
about that sounds to me like a person. Mm-hmm. I mean, that sounds like a person losing their ass, you know? Yeah. And I'm, it, it's the thing that has disturbed me the most about it. And there's a reason because there is stories in that area of people going crazy for whatever reason, not really known. And that's one of those things that I can handle a growl and a grunt and a scream that there, there's something way more unsettling about it just sounding like that there's a person out there. And it's not that even really any of it sounds, most of it sounds like gibberish. I agree with you that Layla also Layla just happens to be a very easy, mimicable name, right? Right. That's a simple Layla. Like if you, you know, you could get a six-month-old to say Layla, but the the anger or the confusion or how would you describe that just... Yeah, I... They're almost... Matt has said that he thought it's almost as if it's cussing. That's the way that he, it came across to him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I've tried to read like, so for cross reference, for cross reference, I just sent you a different Layla cut that is not one of the ones that you'll hear a ton of. So this is the difference between when we're talking about, yeah, that sounds like it's Sam Layla. The other, that's the only, that's the only time that voice, that thing, whatever that is, says that. All right, so let's play this. Yeah, that's creepy. So uh, your contention is that's like a different voice. I mean, I think so. Yeah, it doesn't sound... It's at least a different tone. Oh, man, that's weird. The odd thing is, some of these voices would appear multiple times and appear again and again over time. In fact, to the point where they occur almost... Uh, year after year kind of thing. Right. So that voice right there, that is their Layla. That mm-hmm. happened when I was there. Oof. Now, when you put that into perspective of the fact that we go to this house and David and Donna have been gone for for a while, right? It's been empty. It was on the market, whatever. My idea was I actually took a Bluetooth speaker, I put it on the patio and I pointed it towards the woods and I turned on the podcast of me talking to Donna so that I played Donna's voice into the void, right? And then we let that play for 20 or 30 minutes and then we stopped it and we had a recorder out there and then we would be inside for a little bit and we'd go outside and 
just kind of trying to be normal about being there um, without being, oh, uh, we're investigating, right? We were just really trying to act normal. Right. But I thought it was important that if the things there, there seemed to be some sort of attractive uh, attraction to a woman there by herself, right? Mm-hmm. Whatever you want to say, I'm not saying, you know what I mean, just they were interested in the fact that there's a female there, she's there by herself, so here, let's play her voice when she hadn't been there in a long time. Right. Think about that, and then think about the consequences of that evening there being a voice recorded that says, is... <laughs> Is there Layla? As if, is the dog also there? Right. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> this stuff is so nutty. And okay, I—I I mean, I don't know where you stand on the ape in the woods thing. I left that behind a little while ago, probably longer than I let anybody think that—that uh, that I left it behind. I, I think we're dealing with something far stranger. What it is, I don't know. I, you know, I'm I'm not in the demon camp. I'm not gonna. You know, I don't think everything's a demon. Um, but I do think it's there's something very strange here, and <laughs> I as crazy as it sounds, I think I don't think it's all mimicry. I think it it understands some portion of of what it's saying, and I'm, I would think. I would think that that right there proves that it understands. Right. I mean, look, man, I've been talking about this and doing this for two, two, that was October of 2016, what you just played. And every hair on my body is standing up right now mm-hmm. because every single time I come around to talking about it, it's not something that is easily explained. And I agree with you. I don't, think it's something as simple as it's an ape in the woods. I just don't. And that in that type of intelligent response to think that it would hear Donna and ask, is there Layla? That's the kind of stuff that I'm talking about with this place. Yeah. And and I'm not saying that it's exclusive to that area. I think that it's a rare situation where I mean, it does happen to be in an area where the highest concentration of sightings in North America occur, right? That area is known for it. Their freaking basketball mascot is a Sasquatch, right? Right. I mean, it, it is a thing there. There's a Bigfoot barn grill in the airport, and there's a freaking painting of Sasquatch on the walls when you're walking through terminals. I mean, it's a thing. What I don't understand about it is how could you... So before I say anything else, then I'll, I'll go ahead and send this because I think that this is imperative that the people hear this. And, and I don't want to always just assume that people <laughs> have heard stuff. So I'm going to send you this clip here. And, and this was the thing that probably more than any other piece of audio that I've directly been involved with this is probably one of those things that disturbed me the most because it happened and it happened so immediately the way that it played out. David and I were, were there 
and we had actually we were out on the porch and so i this sounds strange but we were we were just being normal and being silly and we were i was actually playing something for him from our radio station of a guy who does a fake president trump and it it's really funny and we're laughing about it and um as we're we're kind of having chuckles and i noticed we're pointed again towards that wood line in the ravine. And I told David, I was like, I feel like I saw something move down there, but it was, again, it's like, there's so much vegetation and stuff that there was like a little piece of like where you could see into the blackness. And I felt like I saw something just move again that was blacker than black. And I said that to him out of the side of my mouth. I'm like, Okay, I'm just going to say this right now. If you just look straight ahead, I just feel like I saw something. But, I, you know, not like a, a leg or even anything like that. It was just the thing where it was just movement. And David immediately says, I ought to bring Riley and Monty up here. And those are David's dogs. He says, I ought to bring Riley and Monty up here. So you guys will have somebody to play with. And we're just saying this, not yelling it or screaming it. We're just talking on uh, the deck. And I would say that the ravine is maybe maybe 100 yards, maybe, maybe not even that. And we're just saying this. And we go back into the house and we sit down and we're talking. We're talking about all kinds of things. But at this point, the, the, the creepiness of the place is really kind of starting to set in because we had reviewed that day. We had reviewed audio from the night before. We had spoke to Don on the phone and spent a lot of time walking around looking at stuff. And during the day, we're sitting there and we're having this conversation. And as we're talking, I keep looking over my shoulder and my back is actually pointed to the door that opens toward the gate, towards the driveway. And David's sitting in front of me with his back to the deck, right? There's the glass door to get out to the deck. But I keep hearing something. And I would later refer to it as if I was hearing. It sounded almost like the thing where someone has a television on in a room in a huge house where I could just hear something. It sounded like talking way far away, but indiscernible, but, but yet there. And obviously there's not a radio on in the house and there's not a television in the joint. And it got to the point where I told David, look, I know that you don't want to do this, but let's take that recorder that's out there on the deck and bring it in here and, and put a new one out there. And I told him, just do that and let's see, because something is making noise out there. And this would probably be 45 minutes after we were outside and he had said we should bring Riley and Monty up here. And did you get that clip I just sent you? I did, yeah. I'll, I'll go ahead and play that.
They don't have neighbors uh, right nearby? No, 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 no. Yeah. And the idea of a, of a neighbor being close enough to that deck to speak that way and me hear it or hear something inside and it to be picked up by the recorder in that form or fashion. And the idea that that neighbor wouldn't get their face blown off. Is, right. Right. This is not a place where you fool around with that kind of stuff. Right. I mean, there are people on that hill. There's no question about it. This is late. This is, again, it's right there. That's the thing that is the most disturbing. But you're standing on that porch. You don't hear people on the mountain. If you're having a conversation, it's really weird. I had that parabolic pointed down the hill. And there was one point when I could hear, like I could hear ducks or like waterfowl on the parabolic. You know, I, I could just, I would hear like a wah, 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 wah. you know, quack, quack, quack. You know how, like, water amplifies something. Like, if you're out on the water and you turn the stereo up, you know, obviously, it's like the sound waves are going to bounce off that. Mm-hmm. This is the the isolation of the area is kind of part of the weirdness and that nobody's out at night there. Right. You don't hear people. You hardly hear people during the day. I didn't see physically see anyone the entire time I was there and we came and went and came and went never saw anybody the only thing that I did hear oddly enough was gunshots so <laughs> not a place where you fool around like that Washington State has a really weird thing where people assume it's a really hippy dippy area because of Seattle and I guess rock and roll grunge all that Seattle is actually, I mean, Washington State is actually a really conservative, blue-collar, no-nonsense kind of place. Um, We went to eat at a place that was a biker bar, right? Like, this isn't, uh, the people up there have guns, (laughs) and they use them, you know? Yeah. Um, And so, no, the, the idea of it being a neighbor, no. And I'm telling you, Tim, when I heard that, 45 minutes after the fact. Yeah, it's, it's chilling. I mean, that's, it's chilling. That's the kind of thing that makes me wonder. I mean, it totally reset me on so many different levels because, look, I, I'll just say this. I mean, if you're a fan of anything that's ghost-related or haunted-related, like that's the kind of crap that I... You know, that's the kind of crap that happens in, on that kind of a television show, right? Mm-hmm. Like, here's my spirit box. What's my name? Right. I don't know what's going on there. And, and I think that that, if nothing else, look, if nothing else, this right here is the best promo for this movie that we want to make. Right. Because that's the way that this place is. And that's, Donna doesn't want to go there she has agreed to sit down with me in that house and we can get it on camera and we can talk about all the things that we didn't have time to talk about, but she didn't want to do that. But on top of all of that, the fact that she's 
seen creatures twice is the fact that I don't understand how to describe what I just played for you. And there are certain places like this, uh, for whatever reason, that seem to be the focus of weird stuff. I've been lucky enough to to, uh, be at a couple of them. And I'm all for getting them documented in any way possible. So, uh, man, let's get this film made. I'll do what I can to help. I'm super excited for it. I mean, it's not only interesting, it's not only cool, but it's important in ways that we probably might not understand for a long time to document this stuff. Got a couple more pieces. I just want to, I want to play all this audio we can, if that's cool with you. Sure, man. Sure. And, and I, I don't mean, I'm not trying to over dramatize this. If this whole, my podcast, if it was something that I was doing where I was asking you know, we were just putting this podcast out, man. We're just doing it because we do it well and we stumble upon these random stories and and all of this stuff happened to me and I probably got more flack after I came back from Devil's Creek than I have with anything else because I didn't know what to say to people because I didn't know, I don't know how to explain to someone that that occurred that's where you get into that ape in the woods idea. That's really, really difficult mm-hmm. to put a, a silverback gorilla in that ravine over there and him to be so elusive and so quiet yet so astute. Yes. Right? Yeah. And then on top of it, it is still bananas to me. I don't know, man. I don't know. And, and you know, I don't think that this shows that every time that I get the opportunity to talk to this about people, especially the people that are receptive to it, that whole, the whole idea of, hey, man, we're going to play Donna's voice, and then we're going to get a voice that says, is there Layla here too? I mean, I don't even think <laughs> this is so crazy. Layla has been recorded so often that I don't think that when I sent that to you initially that I realized that that was when I was there. That's how much audio we have. Right. Like, thank God for dates and everything. But then I just, it's almost as if I realized that just then when we had this, like that was real organic. And that's the other thing about this place that is super nerve wracking is that I have an idea of what we're going to do with this story. And we have storyboards that we've been working on and ideas of interviews and how we want it to play out. But just like any other documentary, when you delve into a story, I mean, there's no telling what's going to happen when we're up there. Right. Because the last thing that I assumed that was going to happen when we were there was something that was going to react to us in real time that specifically and that is frightening, fascinating, intriguing. And the, the cool thing about it is people who end up hearing that, they don't have to be into Bigfoot or Sasquatch to be into this, you know, because that's the amazing thing about it. Like, what the heck? Right? Yeah. <laughs> what the heck is doing that? Exactly. And, and why? So, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. I just want to, I want to, I, I, I enjoy the fact that we're able to talk about it because this is the kind of stuff that if I don't get it out, right, 
I mean, it just drives me crazy because I don't. Yeah, well, hey, that, I don't know what else to say about it. I think I think people respond to passion when they can tell someone's passionate about something. I think people respond to that. I certainly do. It's one of the reasons I love it. This is interesting barking. This loop. All right. So barking, but not a dog barking. Uh, that's it doesn't sound like a coyote to me. It just sounds like something going woo. Yeah, yeah. That and that was again recorded when David and I were there. That's, I mean, I guess it's just another example of the weird things in the woods. And yeah, David will say something is barking, and it, it's not right. It's not like the you know, like a German shepherd or whatever, there seems to be various levels of those types of vocalizations, almost as if some of them are dominant, like a yell or a huff, like a, like the way that you would, let's say you were in the woods and you cross paths with a bobcat or a mountain lion and you wanted it to leave. Right? right? You want to get out of your way, not harm you. Hey, you know, yeah. get out of here. Sure, yeah. That kind of idea. Yeah. That's the way some of those really aggressive ones sound like to me. And whether or not that's something to another one saying, like, back up, this is mine, or, you know, I, I don't know. But right, an example of the variation of the audio. So this is the last one. This is the possible house slap. So let's uh, get this one. Oh. <laughs> What's the story there? That is uh... the the idea that it's a possible. Right, right. <laughs> just cracks, cracks me up. I, I was it expecting something kind of faint, you know, and then uh... right. Yeah, no. That uh, the house slap stuff happened pretty early in them being there, and she mentioned that they got rid of the goats at one point, and so the thing seemed to get aggressive about the fact that there weren't the goats. Wow, I'll just say that that's the way that she associated the house slap with. Almost as if something changed and they uh, something wasn't happy about it. Wow. And that occurred when they were both there and they're both downstairs. Mm. And that fact freaks me out because this is um, the, the windows, everything, sure, right? The yeah. fact, the brazenness to be so close to the house is shocking. And um, one last thing that I'll say about this is that uh, we have already got the idea of that when we go up for the filming that we're going to kind of go in cold with the crew because like I said, when 
things seemed to have happened immediately when David and I were there, and we were the first people to be there for a while. There's a little tree, like a, you know, it's not a peach tree, but whatever, like a fruit tree almost or whatever, not one of these gigantic Jurassic trees, but a little tree in the yard. It's not, it's down the hill from the house, but not far off the path from the driveway and the house. And we were walking around and I noticed this just, that there was stuff underneath this tree. And I've taken a picture of it and some, you know, I I can, I'll send it to you if you want to put it wherever. I know it's associated with one of these episodes, but it may even be, I, I may have actually put that picture on with the last time that Donna was on, which would have been the deep dive episode that we did uh, earlier this month. And there's a rabbit, um, a stuffed rabbit, and it was a dog toy. And we ended up asking Donna, really just sent her the picture and was like, what's going on right here? Because there's this dirty looking rabbit laying on top of the only thing that I could say is it's almost, it was a collection of metal. There was like a little grate from something uh, like a, it looked like it was like iron work. I don't know where it came from. There were the ends of light bulbs, right? Not light bulbs, like no part of the glass of the light bulb was on the ground, but just the ends of several different ones. And everything there seemed to be either metal or this rabbit stuffed animal or oyster shells. And they were all in a little pile under this tree. And it looked like if you had taken, I would say that it looked like if you took a trash bag and dumped it there. Okay. But that's the thing. There was no trash. There was no paper. There was no, you know, food particles or, you know, an apple core, just crap from a trash can. None of that was there. It was specifically pieces of metal, whether they be shiny or no. And this rabbit, which Donna told us that all of the dog toys were placed in a trash bag and a trash can with the lid on it and left there after they moved so that when the trash came, they would collect the rest of it. And there are actually multiple stuffed animals around the property that we would come to find. And then these oyster shells, which again, you're a mile up from the water, but even still, like even if you're right next to the water, who just shucks a few oyster shells and just eats them and sets them down next to this weird collection of items. So the, uh, and that was right there, right? Like right there in the yard. And, and I mean, I don't know. Like, is this, is, is it the shiny thing? Is that because they, they were attracted that there was obviously something took, the effort to go into a trash can and pull out stuff that was associated to the dogs. But yet there's not trash all over the place. It's not like the dumpster was tipped over. The collection of metal. Um, I'm not going to tell the story again because I've told it a thousand times on the podcast. I'll have to tell you separately. The listeners will know what I'm talking about. The place I called my chessboard, where I had this ongoing sort of uh, stack the rocks game with something in the woods 
one of the boulders there was just a weird collection of metal stuff just on top of this boulder. Just old tractor parts and screws and bolts. And, you know, this is in the woods, but just this weird collection of stuff and it would change. And the stuffed animal thing, and I don't know if I talked about this on the podcast or not, there's a there's a really spooky nighttime encounter at a nature preserve in northern Maryland. I went there for a hike by myself just to check it out one day. It's on the BFR website, the nighttime encounter. So I just was like, oh, I want to check this place out. I was there alone. I photographed something. Now, again, I showed it to my wife, the skeptic. I haven't showed it around because it's one of these pictures that's going to, like, it will never convince anyone and, and everyone in the world will say, you know, that's nothing. So there's there's no use really sharing it. But even my wife, the skeptic, said somebody was following you because I had stopped at some point in the woods and, and just started firing off pictures because I just had a creepy feeling. I, at the end of this this uh, trail I was I was hiking, it ended in an old cemetery, just this old cemetery out in the middle of the woods. But on three sides, three of the four sides of the cemetery were stuffed animals, just laying there. What? Yeah, yeah. I got pictures. I'll send them to you. It was just weird, like a like a stuffed Barney. There was a stuffed gorilla. Ironically. I'm trying to think of the other ones, but there was like there was like three or four of them, and it was like on each they just on the borders of the cemetery. It was creepy as heck. And then I didn't I didn't know what I photographed until I you know I got home. I'm looking through the pictures, and it it looks like someone standing there. I mean, uh, you know, it just sounds wacky, but you know, it just when you say stuffed animals, it just it brought that right back again. I got chills. I'm like, I just remember that day. That's so strange and. Of course, we we had the conversation about the baby doll thing with her. Yeah, I wanted to talk about that. So, so we're we're this is going to be a long podcast. So let's make this the the last story. But I did want to tell it because it's so cool. It's such a it's such an interesting story, and it it started if I remember correctly, they were hearing something on the recordings and they couldn't figure out what it was. Right. Well, no, so Donna got the idea of. She was in the Rite Aid, I think it is, and she got this doll that made noise and put it down there. And it came from, again, at this point, there, she, it seems to be that there's something around and interacting. There's actually, uh, there's, there's a lot of stories. That's one of the craziest things about this is that we've, not talked about a lot of things that occurred, but there was an, there was a thing where there was some stuff that was placed on a table and it was moved, but it was moved in a way that it was as if it was doing the Indiana Jones swapping out the gold for, or the rock for, you know, the bag of sand for the jewel. Right. It was like, I'm going to take this, but in in that place, I'm going to leave this that to us was really nothing like a rock in place of a jar of peanut butter or something. And that may not even be what it was. It was just the swap around thing. So because of that, she got the idea of getting, she saw this doll, she gets it. And it has this under its shirt on its stomach. There's a button that when you push it, it makes this cheer. And um, she left it kind of down by the wood line and David is going through the audio and it's three o'clock in the morning and he's hearing this kid's voice 
And he initially is like, who in the hell has a child outside at this time of night? And he sent it to Donna, and Donna was like, that's that doll. That, that freaking baby doll. And um, just for me and you, I'll send that to you here in a minute, and you can put that here because it's so creepy. It is. The, it's, it's super creepy. And the fascinating thing is that, she, you know, she says when she put it out, she obviously, like, she had it and she hit the button a couple of times and set it down. And we've had discussions about whether or not something watched her do that and knew to do that, to push that button, or if something was just attracted to it. But the audio is chilling, and then the idea of something being there and actually making this doll make these noises. And it happened a couple of times that night. It was... And we've probably asked her, did you notice that the doll was moved around or whatever? And of course she didn't. She didn't know that it had been messed with. And it's just outside, right? It's just, it's just a little thing. But it's this little thing that, again, on top of evidence, on top of evidence, on top of evidence kind of thing, that, again, it just adds to the perplexing thing that is devil's creek and i'm ready to have the conversation with you off the air about this whole thing with the stuffed animals and the metal i mean i i don't know i don't know it, it obviously seems to be something that that is curious but that also has some sort of value on things that are shiny or objects or whatever and that's that's strange you know because have you ever heard the whole thing about how you catch a raccoon? <laughs> this is going to show my East Texas side. You got a coon coming around your your farmhouse, right? You know, and it's messing with shit. You want to know how you catch a raccoon? You take a shiny coin and you put it in a bottle, like a jug. And the raccoon will stick its arm in that jug to get that coin. And then won't be able to pull it back out. And he won't let it go. Wow. Because it's fascinated with the shiny. And, I mean, that's a story that's old as dirt. I mean, I, you know, that's something that my grandmother told me when I was a little kid. Yeah. That I knew that when they had a farm way back in the day, that that's, that's what you would do. But that's, that, that's, it's, I don't know, man, it's fascinating. And I, I, I don't know what else to say about it. I don't. Well, that's what. I can we, go on and on about how I don't know how to say it, anything about it. Yeah, so yeah. there, I sent you three, and I don't know. I oh, think okay. that the. The Child Speaks and Child Speaks 2 is the two times that night. The other one, I'm not sure if that's just a, a tester or... All right. So which one should I play first? Baby Doll or Child Speaks? Child Speaks 2. Do the, chi- do the Child Speaks. Okay.
So it's like a cheerleader doll, right? Right, right. Did she recognize what it was when David played it for her right away? Yeah, yeah, immediately, immediately. I, I still think that the funniest thing is to think about David reviewing that audio and just the look of horror in his face as he right. hears it. Right, not knowing what that is. It's like, what is that? So this, <laughs> right. this is A Child Speaks too. All right, and uh, here's a baby doll pressed the clip. So even though we know what it is, we know it's the doll, we also know something had to press the button to make it speak. Yeah, yeah. And I think probably the strangest part of that is the time and the that it was that it occurred and that that obviously something went to the trouble or had the curiosity to seek out and push the button on on that thing and make that doll go off and then did it multiple times that evening right and as i often say with with the some of the recordings i've had on if it's a person i want to meet them i want to meet this person who's who's out there at three in the morning playing with a doll i really i really right. do i, I want to meet this guy or, or girl or whoever it is if it's a human like Bring it on! I, 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 I open invitation. Come on the show because you're an interesting human being. Like, what are you yeah, doing? I, just the balls alone to do it, right? Right. Especially, I mean, to constantly be crazy enough to run around and do that kind of thing is is lunacy. But it, it's also just in terms of of this area, it's just also not really physically possible right um, me for you to get onto the property and get off of the property and back onto the property and off the property over and over again uh, it would be a stretch to be able to get into that place anyway you would have to do some pretty ninja-like moves but then to be able to do that and then uh, to feel comfortable enough to do it over and over and over again. It, it, at that point, it lacks all sense of reason. Right. And so, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, 
I do know that crows are pretty smart, but like you said about tractor parts, I mean, there is a limit to what crows can do. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> and I just don't see, I don't see a natural explanation for something like that. Yeah. And maybe I'm being short-sighted. And I, I always say this, that if we're playing audio that somebody thinks that they have an explanation for, or if they think that we're hearing it wrong, let me know. Yeah. Because yeah. the one thing that I do know about all of this stuff is that I don't have the answers for it. I don't. I don't want to for anybody for any second to think that I know what's going on because I don't. I have theories because I've been around it. And I do know this, that when I, I looked Donna in the face and we spent time together at her house and we've been on the phone lots not just when we've recorded we're we're friends right and we've we've had discussions about life and philosophy and all kinds of things this isn't a person that it benefits her at all for any of this to have occurred and and so yeah i do believe that she saw what she saw 100 percent. i don't know anything more than that i think that it's again it's so intriguing of a story and it happens to be one of those cases where most of what has occurred was documented. And it's the thing about this story is I want to give people the ability to go there and see it, the place, hear the story, see here's where I put the doll, this is what it did, here's the fence, this is what happened, here's the chicken coop, here's all of these stories, I want them to be able to see it, and I'm, I'm afraid that we're getting close to not having that opportunity, and that's the thing, that's why we have the GoFundMe, and that's why we're trying to expedite the situation. So, I mean, I guess just in terms of conclusion, that would be what I would ask anybody to do. And I, more than anybody, know how tough it is to scrounge up some money. But whatever you can give, I, I, I can just say that that um, I'm, I'm obviously more than willing to uh, give away the final copy of the film in some shape or form. We have some killer artwork that I think would end up making killer gear if you're at all interested or if you have questions or if there's anything that you need to know, you can send me an email at oktalkpodcast at gmail.com. I'll be happy to answer them, but uh, Devil's Creek Film is the GoFundMe. We have a uh, the Devil's Creek Facebook page, but basically all the social media is at Devil's Creek Film. And of course, we're OK Talk and any help it's greatly appreciated, and I really am excited about this because yeah, I think it's, it's going to be something that we haven't seen before. That's 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 where I am with this. Is that I I feel like there are people out there that do really really good work in the docu- documentary world. I mean, how I narrate them. So this is a different thing, and that it's ongoing, and this the personal story behind it is amazing. And I've got 
the confirmation from Donna that she will sit down in a room with me there, which she doesn't want to do at all. And we're going to go through it and we're going to tell the story and, and then at the same time, be able to show the beauty and the magnificence and the, just how strange of a place it is. So any help greatly appreciated. And, and I mean, I can't thank well, th- thank you. You for, enough. Thank you for sharing. I, and we just scratched the surface. There's so much more to this story. We scratched the surface tonight, but thank you for sharing what you did with us because uh, it, it's really compelling stuff. For me, the audio is it, it's so compelling. When I hear those clips, it just draws me right in. I think that's going to be a big part of the story going forward. Thanks for sharing with us. Like, like I said, I know there's a lot more to it, and there's a lot more you can tell in the film. Devil's Creek film. Clint from OK Talk, thank you for coming on. OK Talk's an occasional. You don't have a set schedule, right? No. <laughs> no, no. We are we are trying to crank out, and we have had conversations about doing little tiny updates about the film as it goes forward. Um, but we're also not going to abandon what we do by any means. In fact, we have some stuff coming out this week that we've been working on for a while. And I'm... I uh, I really appreciate the people who do a show all the time. And in fact, Shannon LeGrove into the fray is coming in on this with me as a collaborator. And if your listeners are familiar with Shannon and, and enjoy into the fray, I will say this. She always says that she wants to be scared. And this, I feel like is our opportunity to do so. <laughs> so, <laughs> so if nothing else, if you want to see Shannon get her, get her frights in. Um, we're hoping for that, but yeah, no, we're, uh, just whenever we can and whenever we feel like it. But, um, man, Tim, thank you, man, so much. And it's so crazy to know that you've had a lot of the same experiences and it's strange that I would have been, a, it's strangely familiar that I would have been a fan of <laughs> your podcast and then for us to have this, type of connection, not just in the James Rester um, <laughs> friendship. But right. yeah, man, I really appreciate it. And thank you so much to your listeners and, and anything you guys can do to help. And if nothing else, man, hopefully you found a new different podcast or that's what's really cool about cross promoting these shows because I work in radio and I, that's just the given, right? That this is what we do. I don't think that everything and, the Bigfoot world or the podcast world has to be where people are against each other for no. some reason wouldn't want to tell other people what's amazing. I mean, I just, that, that has always baffled me. So I really appreciate it. And, um, you know, the love comes back. Now I immediately want to sit down with you and, and get even weirder. Yeah. Um, well, I got some stories, man. Let's say goodnight to the audience and then, but hang on because I want to, I want to talk to you a little bit. We're done. So, yeah, uh, for sure, man. Thank you so much. Good night, audience. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Clint. If you like what we do and you want to help us continue to make strange familiars, please consider becoming a patron. Go to patreon.com slash strange familiars. a month gets you patron shows. We're trying to do two patron shows a month now. We will definitely do at least one patron show a month. We've been able to do that every month since we started. So you get full extra episodes of Strange Familiars. Besides that, you can get 
t-shirts, stickers, pins, and other rewards at different levels when you go in there. And we are doing some giveaways as well for our patrons. Upcoming, we've got two copies of Joshua Cutchin's latest book, Thieves in the Night, which we'll be giving away to patrons. Hopefully we'll be doing more of that in the future as well. So, Patreon is the best way to support our podcast. It's patreon.com slash strangefamiliars. Thanks to our current patrons, you guys make Strange Familiars happen. If you can't afford to become a patron, you can always go to iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you listen to Strange Familiars and leave us a five-star review and maybe a nice comment. Strange Familiars is a production of Dark Holler Arts. Music, books, art, podcasts, and more. DarkHollerArts.com If you are on Facebook, check out the Strange Familiars Gathering Group on Facebook. Listeners and friends of the show are on there, and we share articles and pictures and news about the show and so forth. It's growing every day. It's a pretty fun group, I think. Strange Familiars Gathering. Check us out on Facebook. Intro and background music is by Stonebreath. Go to stonebreath.bandcamp.com for lots of spooky music.
of being upsold at gyms my guy you're currently a base member for 90 more i can upgrade you to our shred membership for 130 more you'll be a swole member and for just 300 more you'll reach sweat platinum at planet fitness you'll get energy without the upsell never pushy always free fitness training and equipment for every workout it's fitness that fits your budget join planet fitness for just one dollar down and ten dollars a month cancel anytime deal ends friday may 10th see home club for details When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.